Revelation chapter 11 tonight for just a few moments. The Bible says in verse number one, and there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy 2,203 score days clothed in sackcloth. There are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have powers over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. And after three days and a half the spirit of life from God entereth into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them and they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them come up hither and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them father I ask if you would to bless the reading of thy word tonight speak to our hearts these next few moments and we'll give you praise and honor and glory that's due to your name in Christ's name we do pray amen amen you can be seated tonight I want to preach tonight on this subject concerning these two faithful witnesses of God and I want to preach on the two faithful or the two witnesses. When we come to this text tonight, I want you to notice just by way of introduction that as the Bible opens up, it talks about these two witnesses here. And it gives us several things that I'll just mention and move on concerning them. It gives us the mandate of these witnesses in the first five verses here, how that when they come to this world, they have a purpose. The Bible talks about that an angel stood in verse number that there was given me a reed like unto a rod and the angel stood saying rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and that uh, and them that worship therein but notice it said the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months now that forty and two months is three and a half years and that is the last three and a half years of the tribulation period we know that the Gentiles are going to come in and Zechariah I said that they're going to ravish the city and they're going to loot the city and they're going to take the women and the children and they're going to drive uh, uh, those Jews out of that holy city of Jerusalem and they're going to go to Petra which is that rose red city, that rocky city there that they're going to hide in, getting ready, setting the stage for the final or not the final war but for the battle of Armageddon, amen? Now, I'm not preaching this tonight but there's three wars uh, uh, that is mentioned in the
in the book of Revelation and the battle of Armageddon is that middle war. It's that next to last war because we know Satan's gonna be loose for a season after the millennial reign and then there'll be one final battle between God and Satan and thank God he'll be cast into the lake of fire, amen? But the, here we find that as he is measuring out the city, he's measuring out the, uh, the altar, <coughs> the temple rather, but he is not measuring, uh, uh, the Bible says here, the court of that holy city or of that temple. But notice verse number three, and I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred three score days and clothed in sackcloth. Now, that's 1260 days or three and a half years uh, and that is in that first half of the tribulation period. So their mandate is that they might come and that they might witness against the world uh, in one of the most critical hours uh, that is ever known in the history of time. So we see their mandate and then we see their miracles. Notice in verse number six as the Bible said or verse number five and if any man will hurt them fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies and if any man will hurt them he must in this manner be killed. These have the power to shut the heavens that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as oft as they will. Now I want you to think about this tonight. When we come to these two witnesses here there's been much debate about who they are. Some say that it's Enoch and Elijah because neither one of them saw death. Some say it is Moses and Elijah. I don't know how that you could see it any other way tonight than it being that of Moses and Elijah. When you think about in Malachi chapter number four, the Bible talks about the day of the Lord concerning the nation of Israel, the people of God. That's where we're at in chapter 11. We're concerning the day of the Lord and the people of God. And if you go back, it's a very small chapter. You can read it when you go home. I know it's talking about the spirit of Elias, talking about John the Baptist, but in Canton, text concerning the day of the Lord. It talks about two men in chapter four of Malachi. It talks about Moses and Elijah. If you think about their miracles here, look at their miracles. The Bible talks about in verse five that if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. You know that Elijah's ministry, two thirds of that ministry was my friend consumed with that of fire. Fire speaks of judgment. They have the power in verse six to shut the heavens that it rain not in the days of their prophecy just as Elijah did. They have power over the waters to turn them to blood just as Moses did to smite the earth with all the plagues as oft as they will just as Moses did. It's very clear to me who these two men would be. You might be here and say, well now preacher, Enoch never saw death and Elijah never saw death but Moses saw death. Well Moses and Elijah represents the law and the prophets, amen? On the Mount of Transfiguration, it was not Enoch and Elijah but who was it? It was Moses and Elijah and they discussed the very death of our Lord on the cross. I believe that's because they are the two witnesses of God. When you think about that, just because a man does not die does not mean he has to die, amen? The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Now I cannot break that appointment with death and 
you cannot break that appointment with death, but God can break that appointment with death. Amen? He did with Enoch and he did with Elijah. You say, well, I just don't think that's possible. Friend, when the rapture comes, he's gonna break that appointment with a whole lot of people. Amen? Because they, just like Enoch and Elijah, will not see death neither. They're gonna be taken out. You say, well, uh, what about Moses? He died. Just because a man died once doesn't mean that he cannot die twice. Amen? I agree it's not natural, but it's not impossible. When you think about Lazarus coming up out of the grave and Jesus resurrecting him, guess what? Lazarus had to die again. Isn't that right? He had to go through death twice. Uh, You think about all the people that Jesus raised from the dead. You think about the people that Elijah raised from the dead. Those people had to die twice. Amen? So the fact that Moses has died does not uh, indicate that he cannot die again. Amen? So we see the miracles uh, of these two witnesses here. We see the mandate of these two witnesses here. And then we see here the martyrdom of these two witnesses in verse number seven. The Bible says that when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies, notice this, shall lie in the street of the great city, that's Jerusalem, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. It's interesting to note that this spiritual city of Jerusalem has so corrupted, has so got off God's pathway, has so went away from the way that God had intended for them to be, that now they are called Sodom and they're called Egypt. When you think about Sodom, it speaks of a vice. When you think about Egypt, it speaks of vanity. That's exactly how the people of God, they have drifted so far in apostasy and in apathy. You know that same thing is happening in our churches tonight. I mean, there's still steeple on the churches, at least some of them, amen, and they still are coming together in quote the name of the Lord, but yet they've drifted so far. These one name churches uh, that have no identity, they don't want to be called a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Presbyterian. You know, if I had a dog, I'd at least put a name on it, wouldn't you? Amen. And friend, by the way, we're never going to drop Baptist from our sign. Somebody say amen. And we're never dropping the word church from our sign. Amen. It's not Bible Baptist Tabernacle. It's not Bible Baptist Fellowship. It's not Bible Baptist Worship Center. It's Bible Baptist Church. Amen. Because people gave their blood for Baptist and people gave their blood for the church. And I believe in both of them, don't you? I'm not one by choice. I am one by conviction, friend. Amen. And it is not the church of your choice. It is the church where God puts you at. But these men lose their life because of the corruption of the city and because of the wickedness of the world. Amen. Now I've got news for the Jehovah Witness tonight. The world's not getting any better. Amen. She's getting worse, but it's all a part of God's plan and it's all a part of setting the stage because there is coming a king, thank God. There is coming a Messiah. There is coming a millennial. Hallelujah. There is coming a day when there's not gonna be no more wickedness ruling and reigning in this world. And I don't know about you, but I'm a longing for that day. Amen. I'm a longing for that day when politics are put to an end. I'm longing for that day when wars cease. I'm longing for that day when nation will no longer rise up against nation. But thank God there'll be tranquility and there'll be peace in the valley for you and peace in the valley for me. Hallelujah. On the wings, my friend, of heaven's dove. Thank 
thank God tonight. I'm glad there's coming a day when the King of Glory is going to ride in. He's going to settle every score. He's going to meet out every valley. He's going to put an end to every confusion. And thank God for the day when Jesus comes in the revelation. Amen. When we come to this text tonight, these two witnesses, we see their martyrdom. And then, my friend, I want you to notice their mind. After they are killed, in verse number nine and 10, the world throws a party because these two witnesses are gone tonight. I want to stop and say this. If you're a witness for Christ, the world is not going to appreciate you tonight. And if you're trying to be a Christian and fit into this world, you'll never be the Christ, a Christian. This mentality that runs around that says you can live like the world, look like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, talk like the world, and still talk about the things of God is not in that book. Friend, Jesus said, our Savior said, if the world hated me, they're gonna hate you also. This book says, yea, and all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. Now, if you don't want to live a godly life and you want to live just a religious life, you can be saved and do that and probably get along with the world. But if you live a godly life, you don't have to pick a fight. You don't have to have a bad spirit. You don't have to, I, I don't like that. Somebody say man. I'm not out for trying to make a, a scene and I'm not out for a trying to you know, be a smart aleck or anything like that. I'm just talking about if you live for God and live a clean life, the world's gonna despise that, amen? They're not gonna love you for that. They're not gonna like you for that. You're gonna face some persecution and that's what happened. The world throws a party when they are dead. But when you come to verse number 11 and 12, look at the might of these two witnesses here that after three days, I see the triumph of their resurrection as the word of God says that three days and a half the spirit of life from God entered in them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. There is, my friend, the triumph of their resurrection. There's the triumph of their rapture as they hear a great voice in verse number 12 that says come up hither and there's a great triumph of revenge as the Bible says and they ascended up into heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them in astonishment and in fear. When the world thought they were gone and when the world thought they were dead, guess what? They rose up again. I'm gonna tell you something about the people of God. They may knock us down, but they don't knock us out. Amen? They can make fun of us. They can persecute us. Listen, the old saying is the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Amen? The more they persecuted the church, listen, the word of God would spread and would multiply. I'm gonna tell you, God's people will always rise to the occasion. They'll always rise up above the persecution and God will always win and the devil will always lose. Now tonight we have God's two faithful witnesses. And I want you to see this tonight and I'll be through in just a few moments. I want you to see the hour in which they were a witness. You see tonight, when you think about these witnesses, they were faithful witnesses. They never quit, did they? In spite of the day and the hour they were living in, they were faithful witnesses. They were fervent witnesses. For three and a half years, they gave it all they had. They preached the message that God had bid them to preach. They stood in adversity. 
They stood against wickedness. They stood for what was right. They were some of God's final witnesses to this world. You see, what this text proves tonight is being a witness is not always easy, but being a witness is always right. Can I get an amen right there? If you're here tonight, there's no point in me and you whining about the persecution that we face. If you're trying to run for a popularity contest out in the world, then listen, you're never gonna serve God that way. I'm telling you, if you're gonna live for Jesus, you're not gonna be popular in this world. If you're gonna live for Jesus Christ, the world is not gonna love you, as I've said before. These witnesses were faithful in spite of what they faced, in spite of what they went through, and in spite of what people said. What I wanna say tonight is this. It doesn't take much to knock people out of the saddle nowadays, amen? A little bit of trouble on the job for being a Christian, a little bit of family trouble for testifying and being a witness to your family and a lot of a lot of so-called Christians nowadays, uh, they'll get tight lip and lock jaw and become a silent witness and say, well, I'll just live it in front of them. I'm gonna tell you, we've got to live it in front of them, but we've got to be vocal and we've got to be bold in our stand and we've got to be willing to speak up when it comes time to take a stand for what is right. Amen. I think one of the greatest battles of our day, and I can't even believe I'm going to make this statement because I can't believe it is. One of the greatest battles of our day is that of sodomy. We're living in a time when, and you young people listen to me, sodomy is as wicked as wicked can be. There's no such thing as a, as a, homo, a saved homosexual. Amen. We're living in a time when if you mention that nowadays, it curls people's toenails. They get nervous because you're preaching against something that 35 years ago or 30 years ago, sinners knew it was a sickening sin. But now it's pumped through the television screen. It's people sit and watch sitcoms and they laugh and they make a mock at, at sin and homosexuality. People like uh, Ellen DeGeneres, amen, is elevated to a height that uh, she's made a celebrity and people say, well, I know she's a homosexual and, then, and I want her to get saved. I want you to know that tonight. But I'll tell you something. They make a hero out of people that are living what the Bible says is an abomination, amen. Now, I love the sinner, but I I still hate the sin, don't you? And I'm not gonna be a preacher that's gonna just, uh, uh, listen, just noodle down and water down and just say, well, I'll preach other things in the Bible, but I'm not gonna preach against that. And if you're a true Christian tonight, you ought to say amen to that and don't get, listen, you ought to have a spine and when a preacher preaches against sin, you say, well, but I got a family member that's, that's in that sin of sodomy. Hey, don't we all tonight? But I tell you, well, listen, we can love them and pray for them, but when a man of God preaches against sodomy, you need to stand up and say amen because one of your children may wind up being one one day uh, if you don't take a firm stand against that sin, amen? Now that's one of the big controversies of our day and we don't have to have a bad spirit. I'm not gonna go out there and pick a fight with a bunch of homosexuals tonight. I'll tell you, I'm gonna love them and pray for them, amen? But I'm gonna listen, be vocal and I'm gonna stand where we've always stood, amen? Because it's in the Bible. When you think about abominations, you know the difference between an abomination and just a, a, a normal sin, if you want it for a lack of a better term, uh, uh, in the Bible, abominations are never done away with. Amen. You see, if God said in the Old Testament that something was an abomination, brother, that means it's such a stench in the nostrils of a holy God that it will always be looked upon as an abomination. I'm gonna tell you, he's not changed his mind one bit tonight 
about women being with women and men being with men. It's a mark of the last days. And that's why we're living in those, and, we're, and these were witnesses in very dangerous times to be a witness. They knew their life was on the line. I wanna tell you, it's estimated that over 100,000 Christians were killed in 2018 around the globe. Can you believe that? I'm telling you, we sit here in America in our comfort zone, in our prosperity, and I did say we. We sit here tonight, and in our minds, we can't fathom that. You say, preacher, that's got, that can't be a true statistic. I want to tell you why we don't believe that. Because when you turn a Fox News on or one of those other networks, uh, and I hope you don't turn them on, but if you do, and I mean, they're all corrupt tonight. But I tell you, when you turn those networks on, guess what? They're not putting that on the airwaves. Uh, they're not telling you around the world about Christians who are being beheaded and being burned at the stake and giving their life for the cause of Christ. Amen. I tell you, we ought to kiss the ground we walk on and we ought to thank God that we still live in America in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I thank God for this country. Amen. She's on a slippery slope to sin, but I don't have any patience for anybody that would burn a flag or anybody that would say something against our country. Can I just stop and say this? I sure don't have patience for people that we open our borders to and we let them come here and they live tax free and they get all kinds of benefits and then they get a job and they want to stand against everything that a nation that has embraced them and let them come has stood for and changed the fundamentals of who we are and what we believe. I'm a patriot as much as I'm a Christian tonight and I still believe in freedom, amen? But can I stop and say this? God is more upset with the sinfulness of saints than he is the sinfulness of sinners. And I believe it makes God more sick for us to sit in our apathy and our complacency and be a silent witness than it even does sodomy and them marching in the streets tonight. See, it's easy to shout against sodomy. What about slothfulness tonight? What about being a silent witness? What about not passing out a track? What about not taking a stand? Oh, but preacher, you might go to jail if you preach against that. I don't want to go to jail. I promise you that. I've been there, not locked up. Let me make that clear. But I've been in prison enough to know I don't want to go. But I fear God tonight. Brother, I'd rather die as compromise. Amen. Silent is consent. Is that true tonight? To not preach against sin, and I don't, I won't stop and say this, I do not enjoy preaching on sin. I don't think any preacher worth his salt enjoys getting up and just preaching hard against sin. If, if, if a man enjoys that, there's something wrong with him. Amen. We preach against sin for this reason, to warn people so they won't do that. Amen. And we preach against sin because we want God's presence on our church. We want to keep it as clean as we can possibly be. And I thank God for preaching on sin, but I don't get no joy out of it, none whatsoever. But I'm telling you, friend, we ought to be a faithful witness. And they were witnesses in dangerous times in this text. They were losing their life. Men, these men lose their life for their testimony, for their witness, amen. They were being a witness in difficult times. Even for the three and a half years prior, before their death, it 
it wasn't easy. I'm sure it's, or it's not gonna be easy. If this is future tense, uh, it's not gonna be easy for these men to take their stand, but they're gonna take their stand when the whole world has turned against them. Nobody in the tribulation period would want to hear what these men say, but they're gonna preach it anyhow. Can I tell you something about preaching? It's not about results. Uh, it's not about success. It's not about numbers on the board. Uh, it's about being God's faithful servant to tell what God lays on your heart to tell. I want to say this. I'm flesh like everybody else. And there's been times to get up to preach that my flesh would say, Lord, I don't, I don't want to preach this this morning. God, there's visitors here. I don't want to say that this morning. You know, I said something this morning the Holy Spirit told me to say that I'm going to be honest with you. I would not, I really didn't want to say that on Sunday morning. But it has to be said. And why preach it on Wednesday night? Can I get an amen right there? Why not preach it when everybody's here? Is that right? Now, sometimes I preach things on Wednesday night that ought to be on Sunday morning and I tell the Wednesday night crowd to let the Sunday morning crowd know it. Amen. I don't know if y'all do that, but, but why preach it when, when there's people? Preach it when everybody can hear it. There's things that, that, that are difficult to, to sometimes do. And say, I know when you go to the break room on Monday morning and you get that biscuit or whatever it is you're gonna eat that morning and you sit down and uh, you, you, you sit down at that table and everybody's sitting around. I know sometimes it may seem a little, the devil will come up on you and it'll be, it'll be difficult sometimes to bow your head and say that blessing, but go ahead and say it anyway. Amen. Because one, he deserves that, thanks. Number two, that's a witness. That's a testimony. I know when you're sitting there and somebody starts cussing or they start telling a dirty joke and you get up the best you can and just try to slip on out and somebody has to say some little smart aleck call me up. You're just trying to slip out and be, a, and, and be as quiet as you can, but they've got to say something, some little funny gesture to try to make everybody laugh. I know that may be difficult, but go ahead and be a witness. You don't gotta be a smart aleck. You don't gotta lose your temper, but take a stand for God, amen? Do what that's right. When Christmas time comes around and they want to bring you, now where I worked at, they didn't do this, uh, but maybe some of you big wheels out there might get this or big wigs, whatever you want to call yourself, uh, but they come around and they want to offer you some little bit of, 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 of champagne or they want to offer you uh, some little wine. Uh, you know what you do? You just say, well, I appreciate you trying to be kind, but I'm a Christian and I don't drink. Somebody say Amen. You say, well, I'm just gonna take it, you know, and uh, oh no, don't take it because to take it means you gotta touch it, amen? And the Bible said, don't even look at it. Don't touch it, don't have anything to do with it. You say, but they're trying to give me a gift, preacher, and I may offend them. I would rather offend them as to offend the Holy Spirit and take that wine to your house. Uh, I mean, Lord, what would you do if you had a car wreck uh, and the last thing your wife found out was you had a fifth uh, of something in the back seat, amen? I mean, listen, if I had to get up and preach your funeral, you know what I'm gonna have to say? Well, there's a good church member, but I had no idea there's nipping on the bottle, amen? I'm telling you, friend, listen to me tonight. There comes a time when you just gotta take a stand, amen? You say, well, what if I lose my job? They're not gonna fire you. At least I hope they don't, because I said they wouldn't. Your testimony you can't never get it back. And don't you buy into this crowd today 
that says, well, you know, it doesn't matter what people think. It does matter what people think. I'm telling you, it matters what you think about me. Not in the sense of me trying to elevate this wicked flesh. You know, Paul said, when he started out writing, he said, he said Paul an apostle. Then he said, Paul a servant. Then he said, Paul a prisoner. Then his last few epistles, he just said, Paul and Timotheus. And the last book he wrote, he didn't even put his name in there. It's not about reputation, but it is about testimony tonight. It matters what people think about us. And these witnesses were witnesses in a very difficult time, in a very dangerous time. And then let me say this in closing. In this text, we see all this. We find here that they were witnesses in a very demonic time. They were standing for God when the whole world had turned to the devil. I know there's 144,000 sealed, but I'm talking about the masses. And you know what? We're living in a demonic society today. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's not as hard to be a witness today as, it, as it's going to be in this text in the future. Brother, tonight what this text proves is that God gives grace, he gives power, and he gives ability for us to be his witness when we're called upon. So preacher, I don't know if I could die for God. You know, can I be honest with you tonight? I don't know if I could die for God. And anybody that would get up here tonight and say, well, I, I could die for God. Go ask Peter how that worked out for him. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison and to death. And Jesus said, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. He said, for the sun rises, you will have done denied me three times. I really don't know. If I, would, if I could die for God. But I know this much. He hadn't called me to die for him. Not today. And if he does, he'll give me grace when the time comes. What he's asking me to do is not die for him, but to live for him tonight. If you won't live for him, you sure won't die for him. And I ask you this question tonight. Think about this for a moment. What kind of witness are we to our family? What do they think about us tonight? I know you can't please all your family. You sure can't please lost people. I, I want to say tonight, you can stand on your head for some family members and you're not going to please them because they're looking for fault. But I, what I want to say is I don't want to do anything to give them a reason tonight to point a finger. What does your family think of you tonight? Have you talked to them about Christ? Have you really went to your family member's house and ever just sat down with them, talked to them about their soul, Tried. He said, well, you know, preacher, you just, oh, I know, I know. Believe me, I know. I know how it is. Family will show the least amount of respect for you as a Christian. But regardless of how they treat you, they still need the gospel. Amen. What does the people on the job think about you? What kind of testimony do you have? If you're easily irritated, you don't have a good testimony. Things that happen on the job just, you know, light your fuse. You need to go in tomorrow and tell them you're sorry. Tell them you're sorry. And then try to live the best you can in front of them. Amen. You see, it's not what we say. It's how they see us under that pressure and what we say under that pressure. Had something happened this week. And uh, Brother Dave Terry was there, matter of fact. And something went wrong and, you know, my flesh, I just wanted to, when, and, and when that power board guy came up 
in my flesh. Man, I wanted to say a whole lot of things. And then the next day, a truck driver comes down this road and the GPS says, turn on this road. And the GPS says, go to the top of that hill. Now, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I think even if you're from Alabama, you could figure that out. If you're standing over here and you look up there, that's pretty well to clear it. You can see that's the road that leads to nowhere. Do you know what he did? He, he drove that rig right down through there, pulled in right here, wiped that pole out, come right across all them field lines, and I'm still praying they don't ever bleed out on us, and drove across that parking lot that we just spent $110,000 on. Well, I'm praying them gates go up really fast. I didn't want to put no gates up till that happened. Now I'm like, hey, let's build a fortress, praise God. And I come out here, and when he got out of his truck, I wanted to walk up to him and say, sir, well, I'm not going to tell you what I want to say. <laughs> he bounced out of that truck and come down through here, and I said, I did, I said, sir, at what point did you realize this was a bad idea? And I didn't say, I didn't say it smart enough, but I just said, well, what point did you think this wasn't? And I looked at him, and the Holy Spirit said, you know, there ain't no parking lot worth Offending somebody that could be lost. I said, you're right, Lord. You can patch asphalt. You sure couldn't patch that up. I said, sir, now listen. I said, if there's any damage, I said, we're going to have to talk to your boss. You might have to. He might have to. But I said, I won't call you boss. So the guy's boss on there. I said, I don't want him to lose his job. I said, we just won't find. I said, GPS took him this way. And was all said and done, it all worked out. Amen. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you in my flesh, I wanted to say some things that I would have regretted. Testimony. It sure matters. And I'm not telling you I've always handled things that way. God helped me tonight. Don't you want to be a witness? We're fixing to leave here and go to the house. Start another work week. You know, your job is your mission field tonight. God gave you that job. And he didn't give you that job just so you could make money. But he gave you that job. So he did give it to you so you could live. But he gave you that particular job because there's people you're going to come in contact with. And you need to live and be a testimony and a witness in front of them tonight. And I need to. God puts people in our path for a purpose. Let's stand tonight.